How bold are your prayers? How bold are your prayers? I want to start today just by reading about a couple of uh, a couple of ministers and their prayers. Martin Luther, many of you know the name Martin Luther. Martin Luther, when his co-worker became ill. Now listen to this. Don't tune me out just because I'm reading this, all right? So his, his, his co-worker became ill. The reformer, Martin Luther, he prayed boldly for healing. Here's his prayer. He says, I besought the Almighty with great vigor. He's writing this in his journal. He said, I attacked him with his own weapons. He's talking about prayer. I attacked him with his own weapons, quoting from Scripture all the promises that I could remember. That prayers should be granted. And I said that he must grant my prayer if I was henceforth to put faith in his promises. Yeah. You've done that? God, you will answer my prayers if I'm going to continue to put faith in the promises that are recorded in your word, you will answer my prayers. That's a bold move, isn't it? You better, you better believe that there's power in prayer. You better know those promises forward and backward before you proclaim them before, the, before God in prayer and say, God, because of this promise, you will do this or else I'm not going to put faith in you any longer. On another occasion, when his good friend Frederick was sick, Martin Luther wrote to him. <laughs> he says, I command thee in the name of God to live because I still have a need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive me. For this I am praying. Now listen to this. This is good. This I am praying. He says, this is my will. And may my will, Martin Luther is writing this, may my will be done because I seek only to glorify the name of God. This is my will. You're really sick. You're on the, 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 the verge of dying yourself. But you're not going to die because I still have work for you to do. It's a part of my agenda. It's my will. But that's okay. God's going to do my will because my will is to do what God wants me to do. It's a bold prayer. We might even think that that's pretty presumptuous prayer, isn't it? You heard me praying that today. Some of you might even walk out. We got God's will to be done. All right. So whatever you think of Martin Luther, maybe you know the background of Martin Luther. You've already put up a wall to what I've said. Let's talk about John Wesley. All right. We can, hopefully we can all come around and say, well, John Wesley, he was a, he was he was also a good guy. If you didn't like Martin Luther, then surely you like John Wesley or you know vice versa, whatever. John Wesley, John Wesley, as he was crossing the Atlantic Ocean, strong winds came up. He was reading. In
and responded in prayer. One of his shipmates, Dr. Adam Clark, a colleague of John Wesley's, he heard the prayer and he records it in his journal. Here's the prayer of John Wesley that night when the ship is being blown off. He puts his book down, he stands up, and he, or I'm sorry, he kneels down. He kneels down and he prays this. Almighty and everlasting God, thou hast sway everywhere, and all things serve the purposes of thy will. Thou holdest the winds in, the, in thee fists, and sittest upon the water floods, and reignest forever. Command these winds and these waves that they would obey thee, and take us speedily and safely to the haven whither we go. John Wesley stood up, stood up from his prayer, got up from his knees, he stood up, picked up his book, sat back down, and started reading again. Finds that the winds had halted, the ship was back on course, they were, they were going where they, where they were supposed to be going. And he didn't check on the winds, he didn't check on the course of the ship, he didn't even, he didn't even check to, to uh, uh, remark about an answered prayer. Hey, God's going to do this. I feel this in my spirit. God's going to do this now. Clark wrote, so fully did John Wesley expect to be heard that he took it for granted that he was heard. We talk about bold prayers. Sometimes we, 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 we pray a bold prayer, right? I was talking to, uh, to Chris about this on Thursday during our prayer walk. I said, sometimes we, we pray a bold prayer, and then we begin to walk it back. You ever done that? You been guilty of that? Praying, we were praying for a, a woman on, uh, on Thursday um, and, her, and her illness. She has cancer. We were praying for her cancer. And... Uh, I said, sometimes we, we pray for the miraculous. We didn't do that that night. We prayed for the miraculous. We prayed for, we did pray for the miraculous, but we didn't walk it back, did we? I don't think we did. I hope we didn't. I hope we didn't. Anyway, we, we prayed for the miraculous. God, heal this person. In the name of Jesus, you said that you're going to do this. Your promises remain. We feel this in our spirit, God, that you're going to heal this person right now. The cancer's going to be driven away from them right now at this moment. But, God, if you decide not to heal this person right now, it's going to be okay. God, we're still going to be, you know, we're still going to follow you. Everything's going to be okay. Maybe, maybe I'm just, you know, misunderstanding. Maybe I've just got this feeling in my spirit. But maybe my spirit's just not right today. So, God, if you don't heal this person, it's going to be okay with us. God, we're not going to lose faith in you, right? I mean, sometimes we walk it back so far. Then it would be better off not to even pray a bold prayer. Don't even step out on that. Right? But as I talk about Martin Luther, as I talk about John Wesley, their prayers, and many other saints of the church, their prayers were such that they were depending on God. They, they spoke those words, God, you're going to do this. And I know it. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my spirit. And the only way they could feel that way is because they were so close to God. 
They can hear his, his whisper in their ear to say, this is what I'm going to do. Long before you pray, this is what I'm going to do. So I'm going to pray that. I'm going to pray that. How bold are your prayers, friends? How bold are your prayers? Sometimes we hear about bold and audacious prayers, such as Martin Luther's, John Wesley's prayers that don't just knock on the doors of heaven. I mean, they just beg, sometimes knock down. Or even presumptuous, why would someone pray that? How dare someone pray that? We might think that they're irreverent, heresy, presumptuous, whatever the word you want to attribute to it. Had not God told us to pray that way? And let us stay there to receive his mercy and find his grace to help us in our times of need. Let us come courageously but boldly to the throne of God. We're to, we're to, we're to approach God's throne with humility, right? God is God. We are not. That's maybe why none of us would ever pray a prayer, God, let my will be done. Because we come humbly. God's, God's word says, come boldly to the throne of grace, because that's where you will find help, that's where you will find mercy, that's where you will find grace that will help you in your greatest times of need. And if we don't come boldly, to Joshua chapter 9, that's where we're going to look today as we continue in our promised land series, Joshua chapter 9, and we're going to consider, we're going to look at the prayer life of Joshua, alright, just in these, a couple of uh, verses, I'm not reading the entire chapter 9, the entire chapter 10, we're going to start with verse 1 of chapter 9, we're going to read a few verses here today to consider Joshua's prayer life. Praying bold prayers. Turn to Joshua chapter 9. We're looking at verse 1 to begin, and I'll spoil it by telling you the first truth. God in everything. So let's read verses 1 through 6, and then we'll come back to that. It says then, when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, those in the hill country and those in the western foothills, God was doing through them and among them. They heard about these things. Word started to spread. They said, wow, God is really moving among them. Resorted to a ruse. 
They went to the delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks, old wineskins, cracked and mended. The men put on worn and patched sandals on their feet. They wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the cave of Gilgal. And they said, with the other kings. They're supposed to form that, be a part of that alliance that is formed
and we've entered into an alliance with the enemy. Listen, learn from Joshua's mistake here. Their enemies entered their camp in disguise, tricked them. Well, it's not on Joshua, right? It's not on the Hebrew people, right? I mean, they tricked them. They, they, put, on, they put on old clothes. They brought moldy bread. They came, they came and they, 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 they fooled them. That's not on Joshua. It's not on the Israelite people. No, what's on the Israelite people is right there, chapter 9. into an alliance of peace with them. Their enemy entered their camp in disguise. Our enemy enters our camp in disguise. We say we're in the promised land, right? We're standing in the promised land. We've walked in the promised land. This is God's area. This is our life. This is what we're supposed to be enjoying. Peace, joy, fulfilled life. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says that Satan himself masters Like he's crafty. How many of you find that Satan is crafty when he attacks you? That we consult God in everything. God, is this opportunity from you? This path, God. About a week ago, Kim and I made a decision, a purchase decision, purchasing decision, and uh, we didn't consult God because we didn't really think we needed to consult God, did we? Right? I mean, you know, it's just, you go, how, many, how many of you pray before you go to Walmart, right? <laughs> Maybe not about the purchases, but, uh, <laughs> Right? Sometimes it's, it's about covering our entire day. God, just be in my day. God, would you, would you not go where I'm going, but God, would you help me to go where you're going? God, would you be in every decision that I'm going to make, right? And that's going to cover the little decisions, right? Should I, what should I, what kind of cereal should I buy? We made a, a larger purpose or purchase. We didn't consult God at all because we didn't, it just didn't cross our minds. And within a couple of hours, we were, we were regretting that decision. I'll tell you what. But is it going to have a huge impact on our life? No. no. It's just money, right? Some of you laugh. Yeah, it's just money. It's all going to be gone. It's just money. Some of us have signed an alliance with the enemy. Is that going to have a great impact? Yeah, absolutely. That's our eternity. Some of us are walking in that alliance that we've made with the enemy because he's masqueraded as, the, as an angel of light. So some of us have not even been a, 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 made aware yet that we've made this alliance with the enemy. We're just walking in it. Everything feels good. It looks good. Well, surely God has to be in it, but I haven't asked God if he's in it. I haven't really asked him to give me discernment. I'm just going to keep walking in this because it feels good to me. See, that's the problem 
that we're addressing right here. I'm not talking about, you know, what kind of cereal to buy. I'm not talking about even the major purchases in your life. I'm talking about have you made, uh, have you made a, a, a are, you, are you coming to the Lord in those bold prayers asking God, God, are you truly in this? God's word says we're to come to him with every decision that we make. Every decision that we make. Every crossroads that we're at about relationships, about purchases, about uh, where we're to go to church, who we're to associate with. We're to ask him. And if his will, if what he says to us does not align with our will, we're to trust him. That's it. Walking with the Lord many, many years, some of us still don't get that. We trust God. Even when we don't like His way, we trust Him. We've been spoiled. Uh, we we uh, found a, uh, an atlas in our car the other day. Anybody carry an atlas in their car still? Well, Austin does, but that's, that's for another reason, right, Austin? <laughs> Raise your hand. You asked for that. Um, not many of us carry an atlas because most of us have been spoiled uh, with our phones, right? It's GPS on our phones. It's everywhere. Most of us don't even know the addresses that we go to because, well, we just, we'll just GPS it, right? The, the, the thing is, there's, there's a, a couple of different types of people when it comes to GPS. left. All right, I'm ready. You know? Uh, some, some people like to see the entire thing mapped out. Wait, wait, wait. I gotta see how they're gonna take me before I start off on my trip. I need to know am I going up 69? I need to know am I going up 57? How am I gonna get to my destination? Some of us prefer the entire trip itinerary. And I think that sometimes we fail, sometimes we struggle in our prayer with God because God never gives us the complete trip itinerary. Can you imagine if at some point early in your life God says, here's what's going to happen at every, here's the major milestones that are going to happen throughout your life. What if, what if, are you ready for this? What if on January 1st, 2020, God gave us a mapped out version, a complete trip itinerary of the coming year? Well, on March 17th, you're going to close down the church. And then you're going to reopen it again on May 24th. No, God, that doesn't sound right to me. I don't like your plan. I'm going to come up with my own plan. You see the problem here. And we struggle. Sometimes we struggle in our prayer life with God because we want that complete itinerary. And God does not work like that. Anybody found that to be true? God does not work like that. Sometimes God doesn't even give us that, that, that awareness to say, in a half a mile, turn left. It's just like, right now, turn left. Oh, by the way, did I forget to tell you, road ends. What are you going to do? We want those turn by, or we want that complete itinerary. God gives us turn by turn directions. So 
Should we learn from the prayer life of Joshua? Number one, consult God in everything. If God, if Joshua had gone to uh, God and said, God, do you really want me to come into an alliance with these people? I don't even know who they are. All I see is their donkeys. All I see is their old moldy bread. God, do you want me to come into an alliance with them? Absolutely not, God would have said. They're your enemies. Consult God in everything. And then number two, number two, that's right, I'm only the number two. Call on God for great things. Call on God for great things. This alliance that Joshua and the Hebrew people formed with the people of Gibeon, it proved to be great trouble. The other kings in the land of Canaan, they were really upset with the Gibeonites. They saw them as traitors. Wait, wait, wait. Those people, they're supposed to be on our side. How dare they go behind our back, form an alliance with our enemy. We're going to attack them. So these five kings then, they come together and they say, we're going to attack the land of Gibeon. We're going to come against the Gibeonites. And they're outnumbered. They're completely outnumbered. So they call upon Joshua, their new pal. They call upon the Hebrew armies to come. And since, since Joshua, since the Hebrew people had given their word, an alliance, they had no choice, no option. So here's what happens. Chapter 10, verse 6. Here's what happens. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua of the Israelites. What a great, what a great battle. This is like a movie scene. Joshua surprises them in the morning, wipes them out, people are fleeing. Joshua and Israel, they go after them as they're pursuing them. They're going to they're gonna overtake them, but before they can, large hailstones come down and wipe them out. More of them died by hail than by the hands of the Israelites. These five kings, their armies, they never stood a chance running away, hailstones flying from the sky. Joshua sees these hailstones coming down. They're tired from fighting all day. And he sees the number that are still left in the armies. They're running away from him. And he anticipates the sun's going to set real soon. And when the sun sets, they're going to be able to regroup. And when they regroup, everything might change. We've got to deliver the decisive blow upon these kings. So Joshua, they begin, he begins to pray. Joshua had failed to pray before, right? That's how he got in this sticky situation. He never would have even been in this battle if he had prayed before. Joshua had failed to pray before. He wasn't going to make that mistake again. So verse 12 of chapter 10. On that day, the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of Algeron. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. This is unbelievable. It wasn't documented. It wasn't documented not only in Scripture, but documented in historical documents. 
some group of people are going to come along someday reading the book of Joshua and saying, this is unbelievable. I can't, I, I just cannot, I just cannot imagine that this actually happened. This just has to be a fairy tale. This has to be. It's written here, middle of verse 13, as it is written in the book of Joshua. It's documented. The sun stood in the middle of the sky. It delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. See the most unbelievable thing in Joshua's prayer is not that Joshua asked the sun to stand still. It's not that Joshua asked the sun to stand still so that they could win this battle. The most unbelievable thing is not that the sun actually stood still in the sky that God accomplished this great and miraculous feat. The miraculous thing to me is what it said here in verse 14. The Lord listened to a man. Joshua told God, God, I need the sun to stand still. God listened to him, and God did what he asked. Joshua, just a man. Just an ordinary human being that followed God submitted his, to, to his will and did what he asked him to do. He calls out to God, God calls the sun to stand still, and God does it. Step back just for a minute and remember this. This entire situation, how Joshua found himself here, is because he didn't consult God. God could have easily said to Joshua and the Hebrew people, well, it's your fault. You're the ones that got yourself in this mess in the first place. If you had consulted me before, none of this would have happened. Of course, I'm not going to cause the sun to stand still. I'll give you victory, but, you know, just in my time. Everything's going to work out. I'll save you, but on my terms. Right? But no. God said, you made a mistake. You learned your lesson. Now I'm going to show you the power of prayer. Joshua, I'm going to honor you because you are calling out to me for something that never has occurred before. Joshua, I'm going to honor your prayer because you have approached my throne with great boldness. And I'm going to do what I have never done before. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a man. Like Joshua, we've all made mistakes. Anybody here made mistakes? Am I the only one? All right. Like Joshua, we've all made mistakes in our past. Mistakes that we've looked back on, wished that we could reverse. Mistakes that we've made that we wish we, we could just bury behind us so nobody else would ever find out about them. Like Joshua, perhaps... Perhaps, perhaps you feel like you're under attack. Maybe not just from one direction. Maybe like Joshua, you feel like you've walked into a battle and there are five kings coming up against you. Five armies battling against you, trying to overcome you. 
Five different directions that you have to go at all the same time. See, the goal of your enemy is to overcome you. The goal of your enemy is to overcome you, overwhelm you, so that you turn and run back into the wilderness. He does not want you in the promised land. Do you understand that? He does not want you to experience peace and joy in the presence of God all the days that you spend here on earth. He does not want you to spend your time here in the promised land, even if you make it into eternity. Even if you make it into the, the, the presence of God in eternity, in your eternal home with Jesus Christ. If he can discourage you now and make this life that you're living, these days that you have left here on this earth, if he can make them discouraging for you, a life of depression and anxiety and worry and overwhelmed trials, it's going to steer your children and your grandchildren away from Christ. Well, I, I don't want to live that life. They're always upset. I don't want to do that. It's going to drive those people that are closest to you away from God. It's going to, it's going to destroy the church and the witness that the church has here on the earth if he can just drive us back into the wilderness. That's his goal. We cannot give in. Not even an inch. We have got to come against our enemy when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel discouraged. We've got to come against him with prayer. Honest, continual. Let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there to receive his mercy and to find his grace that will help us in. son or daughter of Jesus Christ. You come to God not as a stranger, but as an heir. We talked about this a few weeks ago. As an heir, a joint heir in salvation with Jesus Christ. We're called to confidently approach his throne. Confidently, boldly approach his throne. To earnestly make our needs known to him, and he will fight for you. He will fight for you. Jesus said, if you have faith, if you have faith, you can tell a mountain to go and jump into the sea, and it will happen. Mark eleven twenty three. I remember the first time I went to Colorado. I actually went through uh, with with the youth group at our at our church growing up, International Youth Conference. I went to Colorado, and I, I the first day I, I looked out the, the door window there, there were mountains. First time I'd ever seen mountains like this. I looked at these mountains, and I could not help but go back to that scripture. Wait, 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 Jesus, you said that if we say to that mountain, throw itself in the, in the ocean, it will happen? I don't believe it. I remember thinking this. I don't believe it. I don't know how old I was, maybe 15. I don't believe it. And God said, well, that's the problem. That's the problem. Why you don't believe it? We pray for people all of the time. We pray for people all of the time. And we ask, do you, do you have faith? Do you have faith in Jesus? Well, yeah. 
Then why, don't, why don't we pray like that? Why don't we pray with great faith? We actually have faith in Jesus that he can do the miraculous. We better start praying that way. Jesus said, if you have faith, if you have faith, you have faith, if you have faith, you can tell a mountain to go and jump into the sea and it will happen. Those are Jesus' words. You can tell a mountain to go jump in the ocean and it will happen. Friends, what is your mountain? What's your mountain right now? Joshua's mountain on that day, on that day, his mountain simply was, God, we've got to overcome our, our enemies. Cause the sun to stand still. What's your mountain? What's your mountain right now? What's that challenge in your life? We're called to call on the name of Jesus, to proclaim his promises, to proclaim his name. We sang it this morning as if we believe it, that there's power in the name of Jesus. So if we truly believe that, we better start praying like there's power in the name of Jesus. And when we're met with difficulties, trials, temptations, discouragement in our life, we better meet those things head on in the name of Jesus. Otherwise, it really reveals a lot about our prayer, doesn't it? Or about our faith. Our prayer reveals a lot about our faith. Call on God to clear the name of Jesus. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Ask and it will be given to you. Matthew 21, 22. If you believe, you will receive anything you ask for in Prayer. See, I, I read these three these three passages to you today. I'm throwing and asking about Jesus, and we meet him with skepticism, don't we? Well, I don't I don't know if that's true. Maybe that's true for somebody else, but that's not really true for me. Jesus says these words to you. He says these words to me. Why? Because we're sons and daughters. We're sons and daughters of God, joint heirs with Christ. We've got to change that in our mindset. We've got to make that shift. Because it's affecting not only our days here, it's affecting trajectory of the generations coming up around us. Call or consult God in everything. Call on God for great things. As we close today, as we close today, I, I just want to extend this challenge, and it's this. Some of you right now, even as I speak, you've been thinking about something you need to be consulting God about. Maybe you've even reached out to God and you've, you've, you've thrown up that prayer and said, God, I need discernment. I need discernment in this area right now because I need to make this decision. God, you know about it. He fully knows about it. Consult God in everything. Some of you... As I talk about uh, calling on God for great things, you need the miraculous to happen. There's been walls driven before, walls erected around you that said, no, that's not possible. God would never do that. God's not going to come through in this situation. Remember, remember Joshua. Remember Joshua. So my challenge to us is very, very simple. Whatever God's laid on your heart, just, just, just close your eyes right now, because you can see it. It's on your mind right now. Whatever God's laid on your heart right now, that's His Holy Spirit doing it. Consult God. 
and call on God for great things. Console God, whatever that, that, that decision is, whatever that crossroads is right now in your life, console God right now. Whatever that miracle that you need in your life, if you've got a big, big thing right now that you just don't know how it's going to happen, how you're going to find victory over it, consult God in everything. Call on God for great things, things that have never been done in your life before, things that you're not even aware of. Call on God for great things. Lord Jesus, today, as we close, we need to be made more and more aware of your promises to us. God, we need to know, we need to walk in your truth, your promises, Lord Jesus. God, there's many, many decisions that need to be made every day. Some large, some small, some, Lord God, that have minor impact, some, Lord God, that have eternal impact. Lord Jesus, would you give us discernment as we consult with you in every area of our life? God, would you teach us the practice of consulting with you? God, would you teach us today, Lord God, give us the, the, the boldness, give us, Lord Jesus, the assurance, Lord Jesus, to call on you for the great, great, great things, Lord God, the miraculous things, Lord Jesus. Right now, would you do a new work among us, Holy Spirit, right now, teach us. Help us, Lord God, to adapt to that practice. In Jesus' name, amen.